0: To Fadeaways and Fundamentals, I am your host, Andre Perano. Today's guest, Shea Cotton, drops in. We talk hoops, life. Let's dive right in with Shea Cotton. Jay Cotton, welcome to Fadeaways at Fundamentals, brother. What is up?
1: Good, Drake. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Man, thank you for being on. Hey, man, let's just dive right in. So, I know you're coming out with your documentary, man, child. Um, you were big, like you were you were bigger than LeBron was before high school. Uh, how was that, and and how did that affect your life?
1: Oh um, and like, uh, like a rock star with a traveling rock band, you know, from, from, uh, early, early, early teens all the way through high school, pretty much nationally, uh, known, uh, came into high school with, with a, definitely a bullseye on my back because all the work I was doing in the AAU circuit, uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, um, once in a lifetime experience, you know, I mean, it, it was a gift for the curse, I guess, you know, it was fun when you. When you see the recognition that you get, getting, there's a lot of people, you know, out in the street coming up to you and approaching you and stuff. But then there's a trade-off of the sacrifices that have to be made, you know, at such a young age. You're not able to do the things that your peers were doing and get away with. So I had to make some, uh, some really tough decisions early on. But it ultimately made me better as, as an adult, I'll say that, because I had to wise up early in life. We didn't have the social media awareness that we have today um, to really launch platforms as far as exposure in the sports realm or whatever the content may be. Uh, it was more isolated, more controlled, less opportunity. So I think guys really were chomping at the bit and, and took advantage of whatever was out there. Where, you know, For me, it was an element that I was working to avoid and stay clear of in the streets growing up in L.A. Harbor at that time. You know, my parents doing the best they could, mother and father hardworking people, you know, uh, doing things, teaching me and my brother integrity, character, and uh, being men of high moral fiber, you know, with a strong relationship with God. I think that's what ultimately helped keep me grounded, recognizing that the higher power that God, you know, blessed me with this gift to play this game amongst other gifts that, uh, you know, I embody today. But at that time, it was uh it was very tricky because, um you know, I didn't have any peers that I could turn to, you know, to uh, to get any solid advice like a sounding board because nobody was really experiencing the lifestyle that I was living. So I had to lean on my brother's relationship with me, who was two and a half years older than me, who was playing ball as well, and uh, learned some, from some of the pitfalls that he was going through, you know, and just kind of fast track my experience and, stay close to my parents at that time. My father was a hard-working individual, you know, not very vocal, but, you know, when he spoke, we listened. You know, it was sound advice, and he was very stern about his approach. And my mother was uh the opposite, very loving and supportive, and still a disciplinarian, you know, focused on the educational component and, you know, really being good people and, and, and men of integrity.
0: Okay. Alright, I hear that. cause. You know, I mean that—that's that, tough. I mean, you had you were on Sports Illustrated. I mean, I read a thing that you basically had a Nike contract without getting paid. Like, like that's that's crazy stuff, man.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, well, Nike. You know, in high school and even before high school, Nike was the shooter where everybody loved Nike. Still, this day, I love Nike. You know, uh, obviously, I'm not getting the gear that I got back then, but. You know, I, I pray that things will change here because I still like the gear and we can work something out. But, uh, you know, at that age, you can't really comprehend what's going on. I mean, at 15, I'm on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You know, Brazil went the World Cup, got a four page layout, and I'm 15 years old. It's like that was the highest place that we could go at that time. That's what people don't realize today because social media has ran rapid in this era. You know, we didn't have that back then, so social media was the bar. That was the the highest platform that we could get to. So once I got there, in my head, it's like, okay, I've arrived, but where do I go from here? I know I don't want to go backwards. So it's like, you know, just navigating through that can be uh, be challenging. You know, for people, when you got that bullseye on your back, you're constantly setting the bar, working to get better, focused on not being complacent and, and being a person of gratitude. And integrity
0: at the same time. Right, right, right. So, you know, with having that bullseye on your back, was there any a piece of advice whether you got from a coach, whether it was in AAU, college, high school, parents, brother, mentor, whatever, is there a piece of advice that stuck with you and it still sticks with you now and that you would give that to someone listening?
1: Absolutely, I think there's a few things. I think uh, you're only as good as your last game. Um, I like that. Don't get high. Yeah, don't get high. Don't get too low. Stay in the middle. Um, and then something else that kind of stuck with me: uh, good, better, best. Never, sh- never shall I rest until my good is better and my better is best. And just to basically challenge yourself every day, you know, to be the best version of yourself because you never know when will be your last day. As an athlete playing ball, you know, I tell guys today, girls as well, you know, train hard like it's your last day because imagine if you got hurt in one game and you wasn't giving it your all and maybe you were never able to play again, then you have to live with that resentment of not giving everything you had to the sport because it's, it'll be true to you. You know, you, you put in, is what you get out. Well, and that's kind of how I live my life.
0: Yes. I love that, man, because you know what? By the age of twenty-one, man, by I had two back surgeries, and so when I'm in the gym with high school kids, junior high kids, I say the same exact thing you just said. You need to train like today is going to be the last time you may ever play this game because you don't know if you're waking up tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to make it home on the way on the on the drive home. I mean, I pray to God that you know everybody is safe, but. In right. reality, nobody knows. God, God's the only one that knows. So if you ain't training the way you need to train right now, you're selling yourself short. I say that all the time because I still wish I could play at a high level. I wish I could do a lot of different things. And, you know, having two back surgeries, it takes a lot of athleticism away from you. Now I tore my Achilles tendon. That's more athleticism away from me. So, Right. Pray, man, I, I'm going to start calling you the preacher, man, because that was dope.
1: Uh I look at you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I, I'm just working to be a better version of myself, man. But I think injuries, you know, have, I had a shoulder surgery uh, my junior year. After never really having a no big injury as a, as a ball player, it really tests you. I think mentally, it, it, it helps you appreciate the game a lot more, as well as your body. You know, so anybody that's dealing with any injury that that is a big, big, big thing, yeah. mental. And really challenging them and questioning themselves, you know, I I would really encourage them, you know, to lean on their faith and really Write your goals down and figure out what your why is and make sure your why is strong enough to pull you through your adversity Into the success that you know, you're looking to attain.
0: Oh, man. I love that It's like, you know, when I when I was playing and I got hurt, you know, I did everything the right way I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink alcohol I went to bed on time, I did my grind. I mean, I, I probably did <laughs> do more training, physically, running hills, running stairs, jump roping, lifting weights, shooting the jumper. I mean, like, more than probably most people that I know. And it was more like therapy. Like, literally, it was like therapy, man. There was lots of times I just didn't want to be in my house, whether what was going on negatively or or anything. I just that's just what I did, and uh, and now, you know, when I got hurt, I had nothing but hate for the game. I I, I was I was questioning my faith, you know, because I did everything right. Um, but then I had children, and I fell in love with the game more than ever. And and then, as a young man, I uh, having kids, you know, you. You grow and you become a smarter person. Now I listen to you know Inky Johnson, E.T., um, the hip-hop guru. You know I'm listening to Les Brown, uh, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins. Right. Uh, and it's just a Sean Croxton. I got to give him props. I listen to them when I drink my water in the morning before anything else goes in my body. And I listen to nothing but pure and motivating thoughts. And man, it it just, it changed my life. It changes my mindset every day.
1: Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful, that reassurance, that self-empowerment. You have to spend that time with yourself to be able to build up other people. You know, it's that going, you know, you want to be better. We got to go internal before we can deal with the external. I think it's the more work we do on ourselves, it projects back out, you know, and and other people can be touched and impacted in in the proper format. Otherwise, it's it's about you know just kind of draining the environment on, on you know the takers mentality, the microwave mentality, you know just wanting some instant gratification rather than falling in love with the process and understanding that anything worth having is really worth working for.
0: Yeah, and I and I love it, man, and and it's a beautiful thing when I even see my own son. He comes home from school, he throws on his uh, his wireless headset. He asks me for my cell phone. He doesn't have a phone. I won't allow him to have that. <laughs> But he'll ask me to use my phone, and, and he'll go outside here But be like, please don't come outside. I'm like, all right, cool. And he'll go out there for an hour, hour and a half. But even before his training, he'll get in his, his shots. He'll do his form shooting. He'll do his dribbling. And it's like – it's almost like therapeutic when I see him do it. It's like – it's crazy because I used to do the same thing, you know, and you want to just be left alone and just work on your own. Whether he's right. thinking about whatever he wants to think about, you know, and – and, uh, you know, at, at the end of the night, I always tell him, hey, man, doesn't matter how great I think you are or how great your mother thinks you are or your friends, it has nothing to do with that, you know, because at any given moment, people that love you and, and love the way that you play and support the way you play, they could turn their back on you. I'm just being yeah, honest, I'm brutally honest. So yeah. at the end of the night, after you done brushing your teeth, and you're gonna get ready to go to bed. You gotta look at the mirror, and you gotta tell yourself that you believe. You gotta believe in you. You gotta love you. Right. That's the number one. Because if you can't do that, and if you doubt yourself, you're playing yourself, man.
1: Absolutely. Did you Did, yeah. you,
0: did you go through that? Did you go through that emotional roller coaster?
1: I had moments, you know, when it was like, man, am I really cut out, you know, for this? Because it it got crazy, you know. You got to think, after I turned 15 and I was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, it was like everywhere I went, you know, I was a man, like, just trying to go to the movies and stuff like that. You know, people wanted me to train their kids and pay me $150 an hour in high school at 15. Like, And I'm like, I'm still working to perfect myself. You guys want me to work with your, your kids like I already made it. You know, it was just a different day. I wasn't really thinking about going into the NBA out of high school, although I had the opportunity and I had the talent I wanted to play in college after I had my injury. So I went through a lot of adversity that's going to be shared in my book that's coming out that we're working on as well. We're getting close to completion with that. Uh, that will run probably shortly after we, we distribute uh, the match Child documentary. But it's going to be an in-depth experience on some of the backstories what the emotional uh, strain, was like on my family, good, better or different. And then to enlighten people to help make their lives a little bit better, and make them better people. and show, like you know, some of the things I faced and still face today are things that people suffer quietly with. And I'm just being vocal, you know. I'm being more vulnerable these days about my life, you know, and things that I faced that maybe I'm I'm not so proud of, you know. And I think that's where you really grow, and you can. We can peel those layers back and reveal some of those scars to the world, and show them that you know you're human, and you know, we all we all make mistakes, we all fall short at times. But you fall down seven, get up eight, and I think that's what life's test is really
0: about. Yeah, no, that's deep, man. I love that. I mean, I read a, I read a few things about you, you know, through the NCAA and and what had happened, you know, through the SATs, and and you know that to me was gut punching to me to read about that about you cuz i didn't know about that. And yeah. and you know and, and and it sucks because for for me, you know, um i was playing ball at a high level like i said i had my first surgery at 18. My second surgery was at 20 um before i turned 21. So i i didn't get to play and uh and i and i think the NCAA needs to f- change some things. One i i think i think players need to get paid, you know, because I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. Schools are getting paid. College coaches are getting paid stupid money. Um, you know, the TV ratings, everything like that. But then the way they, they like hindered you with, with the SAT, I mean, that, there is a slap in the face. Am I right?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I worked hard to go to my S&T prep classes and stuff like that to make sure I was prepared for it. And, um, you know, when I was able to pass it, it was so refreshing and like uh like just a release, like a big relief, like, okay, cool. I got that chapter closed, now I can move on to the next one and walking on this, this college experience. So, you know, it was it was more than a gut shot for me being at U C L A with Barry, them and then the same test I took that was good for Long Beach State wasn't good all of a sudden being at UCLA right before the quarter started. But right. you know there's things that I really can't discuss because the film's not released really yet, and I don't sure. want to take away, take away from the story. But, you know, I would encourage everybody to, uh, to definitely see the man shot when it's available, when it's distributed, to definitely make sure that you get a chance to watch it and experience it. And really soak it up, you know, try to turn everything off during, during this documentary. Just really dive into it because there's a lot of components in there. That if you don't pay attention to the film each second, you might miss it.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah. We're going to watch it. Trust me. Me and my son will be there with our popcorn watching it. Um, Uh, That's right. (laughs) So since you train kids now, what are your three pillars to making a great ball player?
1: Uh, It's a great question. I think uh, faith, family, and desire.
0: Okay. I like that. I like it. Yeah. Okay, i that. Yeah, I'm it's,
1: it's, it. it's important. Yeah, it's important for the youth. Obviously, they can't drive until they're a certain age, so the parents have to be involved, you know, physically, emotionally, as well as financially. You know, and I think whenever you put God at the forefront of what you're doing and you pray for those things that you want, you put that plan together, then it just comes down to your execution. So, you know, I think the faith, the family, and then the desire it just comes down to that individual, how bad you want what you're working to attain what you're willing to sacrifice in the meantime to get it.
0: Okay, I like that. What, what did the game of basketball teach you the most out of life that you use in your daily life now?
1: Uh, the resilience, you know, being able to, to withstand pressure and, and uh, overcome adversities, being steadfast in your, in your desire, you know, whatever... You know, my heart desires a lot in this in this life, you know, that I'm living. I felt like things didn't work, you know, in my first half of my life. So now I'm coming into, like, that second half, third quarter. You know, and I, I finished strong. I, I was a damn good finisher when I played. I take that serious in my life, too. I have other responsibilities today. You know, uh, being a father, I have a daughter whom I love who's 10 years old. And I want to be, be the best version of myself so I can provide a better life for her and have more opportunities where she can benefit from maybe some of my pitfalls and some of the obstacles I had to overcome and that's really what life is about each one teach one and giving on to others you know and taking yourself out of the equation focusing more on making the environment a better place by helping somebody else
0: okay i like that now i'm going to ask you this because this is a big part of my life through basketball i've i've created bonds some of them bonds have been since junior high school and I mean we still talk today. We're big sneakerheads, big uh, clipper fans, stuff like that. I have a couple of bonds from from high school playing, whether they they played on the same team as me or against me. And also through podcasting, I've met nothing but the most greatest people through Jordan Lolly, Ryan Rizuki, uh you know, your boy Clips555, uh, Ian Rice. Uh, you know, I've I met so many people. Bone Collector. Um, right. Larry. yeah. I just met so many down-to-earth people that I keep true to my heart because not only one, how passionate they are about the game, but also myself. Did you create bonds like that and still have them today?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh- One of my prep school teammates, I went to school back east. I actually got a chance to visit with, uh, in the last month, whom I haven't seen in over 20 years. It was really surreal sitting down with him having dinner, looking at him like, man, you know, seemed like just yesterday we were sharing stories and I was in like probably the fight of my life. That's, you know, when I was at UCLA and things didn't work out and I had had to jump ship and I wound up choosing prep school in Connecticut. Um, you know, just those bonds that you create as, as a ball player, it's hard to recruit that anywhere else in life. I don't think there'll ever be a bond that I would have with somebody like that because of the wars that we fought playing against each other, uh, my peers, uh, my teammates battling and our training and all the practices, getting ready, preparation for games, the travel time that we spend together, you know, just, just forming our chemistry. Uh, that's what I miss the most. You know, I walked away from the game. You talk about your injuries with your back surgeries and how you basically was cool on basketball. I went through something like that as well. But it wasn't so much about the injury, it was about, you know, just feeling like I got the short end of the stick, that I put everything into it, I did it the right way and I helped a lot of people along the way. It never changed even when I was on top. I was the same person that I am today, just a lot more a lot more uh, appreciative of of, of things today than I was then, because of the loss that I've suffered with my father passing. You know, dealing with a lot of my homies in the last 45 days. Three of my homies I grew up with was killed. So, on top of the Nipsey Hussle murder just recent, you know, it, it, it pulls on you, man, and it shows you that there's there's more to life than just sport. And what's really important, man, family and your faith, and just making the most out of each day that we're blessed to get
0: absolutely you know it's crazy that you brought in like your friend from prep school i have a friend um his name's is ishkar holloway he's a uh now he he is a referee not only in high school but in college in the bay area and it was the same thing i probably haven't talked to that guy in 10 years and i called him and it was like like i had just talked to him yesterday it was one of the most organic and most beautiful conversations, and uh, I I needed some advice. You know, you know my my son, he's a he's a great one on one player. He's a he's a great offensive player. He's he's very high Q on the game when it comes to uh, you know offensive side, and it's it, he at times he's like a James Harden where he just don't want to play the D, and 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 I I was I was struggling. Trying to get him to to buy in. And I kept telling my son, hey man, I was like one of the nastiest defenders. So I had to get like clarity. Like find out what? the facts. Like maybe I'm just lying to myself. Maybe I wasn't like that. As soon as I asked that question, he was like, Dre, when we went to battle every high school game, we all went off of your lead because you defended ninety four feet you gave it your all, 94 feet. So if you were doing that, we had to jump on ship and do it with you. And I was like, wow, like that's probably one of the coolest things everybody's told me about basketball to myself, you know? And so I, I, I commend you for that, for having those, uh, those bonds with friends because they're unbreakable and you, you can't take them away.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I got guys like the Marberry family. I'm close with the younger brother Zach. You know, and not. This isn't a name drop. Just to show you, like the the chemistry that you can develop through through bonds with with sport. I mean, just the battles and the training and guys going through similar type things, being in the trenches, overcoming that still being successful. You know, Ronnie Fields out of Chicago. Different different guys. I mean, that that I can think of that I played against coming up. It's like those bonds will never be broken. And that's something that we'll take to our grave. And I think that's the hardest thing for athletes when they're done. It's like not reestablishing those bonds, but establishing new bonds that, that that can carry you through that next phase of life. Because, you know, we can't live in this world alone. Everybody needs somebody. No,
0: you're you're absolutely right. You know, uh, you're absolutely right. And, and this is my, my outlet. Like, I love to play the game, man. I really do. I I miss battling. I I miss playing at a high level. I, I like, pardon my French, but I like talking shit. And I like getting pushed. And I like getting elbowed. You know, that's kind of crazy to say. But I like that physicality as a man. I like it. Uh, I, I embrace it. It's okay. Hit me again. You know? And I'm the same way. Right. You know? But... As I lose my athleticism and now I'm forty, I can't play like that and, and I and I respect that. But this is an outlet. This this to me keeps me close to the game. Talking to people like you, uh talking to people like Jay, like just getting out there and and meeting people that absolutely not only have a faith like I have, and you have in the Lord, but also another faith in the game you know we, right. we love we love basketball and and the other beauty of it is basketball ties in with hip hop it is a huge marriage and i love hip-hop i mean i used to play mm-hmm. my tapes until they pop man whether it was biggie definitely all eyes on me you know and just like you it's a marriage you know with the hip-hop culture just like what you talked about nipsey i mean right. what was your right. favorite hip hop record as you trained as a kid?
1: Uh man, that's a great question. Um I think when I was really young, when I really started coming into my own like uh we used to bump M C Hammer, Can't Touch this, you know <laughs> that? That was like that was the anthem. Um, you know, I had the Snoop Dogg growing up and still be banging a lot of his stuff now and then I'm tied into a lot of these guys, you know, being being from Long Beach and, you know, it's a tight, tight knit community. Uh, just various artists. I mean, I liked Eric Sermon and PMG. I was big on them. I liked AZ. I remember the Do or Die uh, CD. You know, that was big. Nas with Illmatic. Oh yeah.
0: You know, a
1: lot of the, yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the artists locally that was hot at that time. The Loonies from the Bay. you yep. know, Listen to E40 and the E40 and the Click. I mean, I can go on and on, man. Like, I was going just,
0: with Ann Banks. Remember Ann Banks?
1: Yep, yep, yep. MC Green in Michigan, you know, just yep. uh, different different artists depending on the mood that I was in. If I wanted to be tuned, tuned, you know, tuned up or tuned down, what, what, what I would go to. And then you know, of course, the R&B. I mean, at that time, Mary J. Blythe was big. You know, Faith Evans was was huge. Yeah. We had Brandy. We had Brandy out here. So we we had some really good, really good artists, man. I felt like the music in that era was more heartfelt. Today it's more about like one-hit wonders and club club bangers and stuff, but not the the, uh, the content that we're used to, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I totally I totally respect that and get that. Who was your favorite basketball player growing up, and what was your favorite shoe MJ shoe of all times?
1: My favorite basketball player growing up was not Michael Jordan. I respected him, but uh. My favorite ball player was Ron Harper and Magic Johnson.
0: Whoa, Ron Harper!
1: Yeah, before the knee surgeries in Cleveland, okay. that boy was bad. Yeah,
0: he, yeah, was. he was. You know, bad. he played with my Clippers too.
1: That's right. That's right. Lloyd Walton, Ken Norman, and Gary Grant. Yeah, I used to watch them.
0: Okay, okay. We used well,
1: to go to the sports arena to watch them. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean, obviously, you know, you had Nike in your corner and everything. What was your favorite Jordan shoe?
1: One of, I think it's the Fives, uh, the Reflecting Tongue.
0: Yeah, 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 okay.
1: Yeah, that's my favorite one. I, I have 40 in those. And um, I love Worm, man, just like a good chill shoe. It's light, it's durable. You know, it's got the air pocket, so it's got good cushion. Um, just a really great shoe that they made. It's soft, it feels good on your foot. So, you know, that's probably my favorite one. I don't wear too many Jordans today, They're a little bit too pricey for my taste, but... I respect his body of work, and I understand the business behind it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, let me ask you this question. I know I usually ask this, but since you are a Nike guy back in the days, I had them all. I had the Kevin Garnett's. I had the Barclays. I had the Pippin's. I had the Phones. I had the pennies, right. I had them all. Like, I had the Robinsons, because my brother worked at Foot Locker, so I got the 50% off discount, holla. But what was your favorite Nike shoe other than Jordan. Just to like rock, to play in, whatever?
1: Um, man, that's a great, great question.
0: Because um, we sneakerheads now. I like it. Out here.
1: Yeah, I like the Air Maxes, man. I always like the Air Maxes, the Air Pegasus, and the good shoe, like a running shoe to walk around in and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, and the Harachis, the Michigan Harachis.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, I, I love those. The sixes were those. off of
0: those. Did you know
1: that? Yep, yep.
0: Okay, I like that. I love that, actually. Favorite move to use in a game on anybody if you were going to sauce
1: them? Favorite move to use in a game on anybody? Probably a jab step one dribble dunk from the three-point line. You know, I was explosive and very fundamentally sound. I I really maximized angles and minimized my my dribble with, with spacing. So I would have to say that. Or the bulldog, you know, in transition, coming at somebody, hit him with a bulldog cross. Yep. One dribble, just elevate 40 inches into the air, dunk on whoever's in my way. I used to love it. I used to fly for a little while. (laughs) Just a little while.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, I love that. And if uh, anybody listening wants to reach out to you, where can they find you, sir?
1: Oh, man, just DM me on my IG at Shay Cotton. I manage it myself. I'm on it daily. Anybody looking for some training, uh, any mentor and stuff like that, which is my wheelhouse. Definitely reach out. Or you got something that you're dealing with, your student asking You want to uh, run it by me? Don't hesitate.
0: Well, thank you, Shea Cotton. It was a pleasure being on Fadeaways Ways of Fundamentals. And without, bro, we out, man. You know what I'm
1: saying? I uh, appreciate everything, Andre. I wish you all the best, man. Speedy recovery too.